Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 99. We're discussing the Houston Open on the PGA Tour and the Italian Open on the European Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System. And with me, we have Golf Betting System's European Tour expert, Paul Williams. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How's things? Very good. Lovely sunny day here. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, late summer, early autumn, crisp English day. Very nice indeed. GolfBettingSystem.co.uk is our website, naturally available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is in the description box. Paul is available at Golf Betting on Twitter. I'm at Bamford Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. This podcast is available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, Buzzsprout, and YouTube. In fact, if you type in Golf Betting System Podcast into Google, there's two whole pages of places where you can listen, Paul. Do you know that? <laughs> Never miss an episode. No excuses, eh? That's my main point, actually, here. This is our 99th episode. We've got a mm. major milestone next week, a 100th yeah. episode. And I want, Paul, I want to be able to read out a fantastic Apple podcast review at the start of our 100th show next week. Wouldn't that be nice? It'd be nice to be able to talk about a winner from this week as well. But uh... I wouldn't go that far. Christ. <laughs> I mean, that would be a miracle. But, um, well, I'd say in that, saying that, I think we might have some chances this week. Mm. I think we might have some chances. Yeah. I have got a review here to read, though. Okay. It's from Cato number one, and he is in Great Britain. So, Cato, we really appreciate the time that you spent on a, on a review. Five stars, can't argue with that. Best golf podcast by distance of a Dustin Johnson drive is the title. <laughs> My favourite podcast by far really increased my interest in golf betting. Made me think of betting angles I'd never even thought of. He's talking about Matt Every. <laughs> Wish you guys all the best. Almost don't want you getting too mainstream as you're a hidden gem. Good luck, guys. Well, Cato, we appreciate the time that you spent on this review. Yes, thank you, Cato. And thanks for your kind words. Always very much appreciated. Very big, this podcast, Paul. Very big in Australia. So, good day good day to our Australian listeners, and very, very big in California. I'm glad it wasn't uh, very big in a country where you cannot speak the lingo, Steve, and tried to... Uh, well, it's funny you should say that, because we had a big <laughs> spike in Norway last week. Go for it. Yeah, how's your Norwegian? <laughs> it's as good as my golf player pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. Need, need some need some work then, okay. So I think just before we segue, let's let's put it out there again. If you could leave us an Apple Podcast review for our hundredth show next week, that would be absolutely fantastic. And we will try as hard as we can to get Barry O'Hanrahan on the show next week. How can you do the hundredth podcast without Barry Bob? Yeah, we need to get Barry on. We'll work it out one way or the other. We might need to record at three in the morning or whatever we need to do. We need to get burial. We'll go for it. Mm. Right, last week, um, my summary of last week, I thought the Spanish Open was, it was just John Rahm, and he just absolutely batters European tour fields on golf courses that are relatively, well, you can just overpower them, can't you? His number last—it's—it's—it's his driving. His driving is unbelievable. He's banging it three hundred and five yards on average, and he's like fourth in driving accuracy across the field. You just can't—you know—strokes gained off the tee are just off the scale. When he's when he's in that kind of nick, players just can't—you know—that quality of field just cannot get close to him, can they? As you say, he was first for ball striking, first for total driving. Yeah. And first for putting. Now that combination tends to get the job done, doesn't it? If you if you're great off the tee and you're making all your putts, then uh, good luck to the rest of the field because you're not getting close to John Rahm in that kind of form. 
Where are we sitting now? In t- I should have I should have preempted this before the show. I'm kind of dropping you in it here, Paul, but I know that you're you're very quick, you're very flexible. Where are we sitting now in terms of race to Dubai? Yeah, so Ram's overtaken Shane Lowry again on the back of that uh, effort. So uh, extra bit of spice for Lowry this week, and of course we've got some big value um, events coming up. You know, in particular this week where we've got the Italian Open, which is another one of these. Uh, Rolex Series events, um, a couple of smaller events in France and Portugal, and then uh, then we're into the big bucks uh, tournaments at the back end of the season. So it's still a lot of movement to be had, um, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's game on, and uh, hopefully it does go right down to the wire. It's when it gets to the end and there's nothing much to play for in that respect. It can uh, can be a bit of a damp squib when we go to mm. Dubai, but. Uh, it's it looks like going this year, isn't it? You got yeah. Ram at three eight nine eight. This is points. Shane at three five three five, and Wiesberger at three oh three three. And then you got the likes of Wallace and Fitzpatrick, who, if they were to score a win this week, or even a Danny Willett, if they were to score another win this week in a big Rolex Series event, the Italian Open that clearly yeah. you're covering, would be right up there on the on the, on the pace as well. Yeah, yeah. It's we we never really we haven't had a head to head for a while, have we? No, it's tended to kind of, as you say, kind of been a damp squib where you know it's one of the players who can just kind of work their way into a top five position or top ten or thereabouts, or, or keep someone else at arm's length when they get to the earth course and uh, and still walk away with the money. Which um, it's yeah, yeah. You, you you can't you can't change that if that's the way it's uh, if, if that's the way it's panned out during the course of the year, but. Um, it's nice to have a bit of competition as uh, as the season draws to a close. So so fingers crossed. Yeah, it'd be nice if one or two of the other guys could get in the mix as well, make it a three or four way competition as we uh, approach the final three final series events um, in a few weeks' time. Over in three to one. I mean, that's the, that's that's what you get, though, isn't it? It's, it's like well, John yeah. Rahm is three to one. Sergio Garcia is six to one, mm. and then the next player is Rafa Cabrillo Bayo. Was he sixteen to one or twelve? No, to one? about eleven or twelve. Yeah. So um, Ra- Rafa not, Cabrillo, not Rafa Cabrillo, I can't win to save my life. Bello at twelve not, to yeah. one. Not that not that I'd be backing him at that price anyway, but particularly with those two guys in front of him in the betting, it's. Um, mm. Yeah, it, that's a tough one. And, and to be fair, at the end of the day, the bookies were right, weren't they? Ram finished first, but Cabrera Bello was right up there. Even Sergio came through and finished top seven in the end, I think. Actually, the, the one eye-catcher for me um, was Alex Levy, who's been really quite patchy this season. Um, but he <laughs> led like him. The, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he plays well on certain types of track, doesn't he? But um, he led the field for greens and regulation last okay. week, and yeah, that's really again the, the you know a tree lined open a Spanish Open doesn't really scream Alex Levy to me. So for him to be doing that last week, finished fifteenth overall, I think, and um, and he's got Portugal coming up in Vila Moura. Yeah, that's exactly. It. I knew uh, I knew where you were heading. <laughs> so um, I could I could do with him having a couple of uh, poor weeks over the uh, you know before we get to uh, to Portugal, and he might be a juicy enough price to pick up a uh, hopefully a win on that kind of player because that Villamora as you say absolutely Alex Levy territory so um, yeah. so yes certainly an eye catcher for me last week. I would have thought that the the um, the layers out there, the odds compilers, were rather worried because I would have thought there were quite a few transatlantic doubles out there that involved um, mm. John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay. Yeah. And uh, Cantlay, for all of the tea in China, looked like he was inevitably going to win the Shriners last week. Yeah. And if we if we go back to exactly... Um, the way that we explain that the Shriners tends to work from a skill set perspective, he was ticking every you know every box last week. He was hitting tons of fairways. He was just absolutely killing greens in regulation. His approach approach playing strokes gain tee to green numbers were out, <coughs> out of you know out of this world. Yeah. In fact, he was. 
second for strokes gained tee to green and first for strokes gained off the t- off the tee. Yeah. Now he's playing that golf course just as he always does, and it's you know it's almost inevitable. But he came up against hot fire Kevin Nard, didn't he? And we were talking this off mic. If you if you've got a list of the best putters that you've got currently in golf at the moment when they're on form, Kevin Nard cannot have any peers, really, can he? He's outstanding, isn't he? We were talking about Snedeker, and when when Snedeker's playing well, his putter is is one yeah. of the one of the players that you'd want to have on your team if you were standing over a ten or fifteen foot putt. To, yeah. You know, for glory, you'd want the player like Snedeker, but uh, Kevin Nas putter, it was absolutely on fire, wasn't it? What was it? Five five hundred and fifty feet of putts he made over the course of the four days. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Fourteen strokes gained putting. I read over the course of the week as well. I don't think many won. No, I think they're the odd person was, and if you were fantastic, mm. seventy to one. But again, he's one of those players that very rarely statistically jumps out. He, he rarely will jump out of a model because he's so up and down. Yeah. And it was that inbound form of his was you know it wasn't great. Um, I think he'd missed the cut the week before at Silverado. But then at Greenbrier, I think he shot something crazy in the opening round at Greenbrier. I don't know. He was like second or third after day one. Yeah, yeah. Flash so there, 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 there was there was something there to grab onto if you really wanted it. Hmm. Um, yeah, and he obviously likes the track, doesn't he? So yeah, he shot yeah. sixty four in the opening round yeah. at Greenbrier, and he just loves that track. And as you, this is it. I mean, I'm just looking here. He basically used exactly the same type of um, strategy that he used back in 2011 when he won. Um, he, he did hit plenty of greens, uh, fairways rather, 25th for fairway. He was 46th for greens in reg, which isn't the way to win around Summerlin, apart from the fact if you are Kevin Nahr, because that putter, he gained three and a half shots per round putting. Yeah, mad. He was up against Patrick Cantlay in that playoff, who was 41st. 41st for strokes game putting. And eventually he just nailed one, didn't he? I think they both made birdie at the first playoff half. Yeah, they did, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, uh, it uh, came down to the second, didn't it? Did I read that he was the first player for donkey's years to win with a negative strokes gained tee to green performance as well? Yeah, that's, well, I can believe that, yeah. He was negative. He was 55th in the field for strokes gained tee to green. Mm. And he won the tournament at 23 under par. Yeah. That is just um. He made five hundred and fifty-eight feet of putts. Wow. Well, a good day. You know, the, the the pros are always aiming for a hundred feet on a you know a really good day's putting, aren't they? And um, so to do that and change for four consecutive days or four days cumulatively, yeah, you're not going to get close to that, are you? Incredible. Mm. We were talking, we were again, we were talking about this off air, weren't we, Paul? You look at the President's Cup. In all likelihood, these are going to be the President's Cup picks, yeah? Tiger Woods will pick himself. Tony Fee now, Patrick Reed, and he will pick Phil Mickelson. If you if you actually look at players that are going to miss the boat on that President's Cup team, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Kevin Nahr has been very, very unlucky. Mm. I mean, two wins in the last four months, is it? Won at Colonial, didn't he? In in the middle of the in the middle of July, I think. Yeah, yeah. And now he's won again. And you know, you talk about players in form for a for a captain's pick. I mean, Nars in hot form. Not, I doubt if he'll make it. They'll, they'll, Tiger will pick himself, and he'll, he's bound to pick lefty because he can't. He can't. He can't. I can't use a double negative. He, he basically, how could Tiger Woods not pick? Phil Mickelson for a President's Cup. Well, if he's picked himself, yeah. As I said to you off, Mike, well, well, we'll we'll wait and see on his um, his fitness, Tiger. But um, yeah, I suspect for the for the viewing pleasure of the uh, of the adoring public, then um, Tiger and Phil could be the uh, the way they end up going. But uh, is that right? Probably not. No, you know, a player who's playing better golf is probably the probably the right pick. But they could probably put Tiger and Phil in both playing poorly and uh, and still win the. Uh, Still win the President's Cup, so yeah, yeah. probably fairly immaterial. But, uh, yeah, you, you just said. think about planning, don't you? You, you? you think about legacy, you think about, you know, it's it, it's future-proofing your team, isn't it? Mm. And to get new players into a team, 
you know, that's something that the European team have done over the years, isn't it? It's integrate players that, that they can then, you know, you give them experience and within the next four or eight year cycle, you've got that player that's got Ryder Cup experience, that's, yeah. you know, developed as a player, become a elite player and, and they're ready for the challenge. Yeah. You don't seem to get that from the Americans. They'll just pick Phil, they'll pick Tiger every time. And then it's like, oh, well, they didn't play very well at the, at the President's Cup or the Ryder Cup, those two. You know, they didn't score many points. It's like, hmm, yeah. But you yeah, keep picking some, them. Yeah, sometimes you've got to develop into that role, haven't you? You've got to get the experience and build the experience to to be able to perform well in future, future years. I, I, I agree with that. It's it's a big step up. If, if it wasn't a big step up, it wouldn't be such a big thing in a career of a golfer to, to achieve a Ryder Cup or a President's Cup spot it's uh, it's clearly mentally and physically something that they aspire to do so i'm using kevin nars as, as a you know as a immediate in the mm. in the in the you know yep. recency example but he's up to top he's in the top 25 in the world now yep. he's having a great run so you know interesting stuff i think but um it was just i really enjoyed the, the shriners very very enjoyable golf tournament i enjoy it every single year um, and if you look again at the betting, you had Cantlay who was twelve to one in a playoff. You had DeChambeau, who was fourteen to one, I think, or maybe sixteen to one. He yeah. made the each way places, and you had Hadwin at forty five to one, who made the each way places. Thankfully enough, I was on him. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, well it's one of those tournaments where the obvious tends to or good players will come to the fore. Yeah, and Hadwin's been playing some some really nice stuff, hasn't he? He um, will again. President's Cup. He wants to get into that yeah. into those four picks, doesn't he? And if you, again, you want a form player, he, he's finished second and fourth on the PGA Tour. Yeah. There aren't many internationals with that kind of form at the moment. No, 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 no. Not not that high profile form, definitely. On the yeah, in you know two re you know decent standard tournaments as well. Yeah. Unlike the Houston Open this week, but we won't go into that. We're gonna we're gonna lead off this week. <laughs> With the Italian Open, um, I've read your uh, preview this week. Uh, we'll put it, of course, in the description box of the podcast. It's the 76th Italian Open, and they're playing this at the Olghiata Golf Club, which is just outside of Rome, the capital yeah. of Italy. And it's the first time they've played here since 2002 which was won by Ian Poulter from Paul Laurie. By so, a couple of strokes. Yeah, it was a rain-affected affair back in 2002. But it's one of these nomadic events, isn't it? The the Italian Open, and it does hop around from um, venue to venue. But um, this year's quite tricky. Last, last year was quite tricky for a similar reason as well, in that they hadn't played for 15 years or so. So you, if you're trying to find any course form this week, then... Um, then good luck, really, because you have to go back all the way to 2002, as you just said, when, when Poulter won. There is a little bit of form on the Challenge Tour, um, which gives you a clue, I guess, as to the style and the, the kind of kind of track that they were playing and the kind of target scores, potentially, although there are some some uh, some pitfalls in that because there's been a few changes to the track since. Um, if you're looking for those course pointers then um, look between 2009 and 2015 on the challenge tour and you'll find five different events on there that have hosted or been hosted here at Old Giata Golf Club um, over that time but uh, but yeah to be fair going back to 2002 and those challenge tour events there's not many of the players that have featured in those events who are here this week there are a few but nothing um really substantial to, to grab onto so yeah we're gonna have to go on spec really i think for this week which um is always a challenge and often, often a challenge we get on the european tour so it's one that we need to embrace and uh, see if we can dig out some uh, some winners but there are a few trends for us to dig into which i'll go through in a second um rolex series events the fifth one of the fifth one of the season so you tend to get and we've seen it actually since the rolex series was started you do tend to get fairly um good quality winners so if you look at this year for instance Lowry won Abu Dhabi John Rahm won the Irish Open uh, Bernd Wiesberger won the Scottish Open 
Danny Willett most recently won the BMW PGA. So just those those four names themselves, Lowry, Rahm, Wiesberger, Willett, kind of give you a, an indication yeah. as to the as to potentially the kind of player that's going to be headed up the... Uh, I don't think we've ever the, had a shock, you know, a, a non-elite, if you like, player that's won nah, it since, suppose, since it came in. No, nah, I suppose the closest, and, and you know, this is debatable really, isn't it? The closest is probably Olsen last year who won... Won this at eighty to one, but even so, Thorborn Olsen, we all know that he's um, an immensely talented golfer, and mm. actually, for me, his name doesn't feel out of kilter in that no, particular no, no. list of names. It's just that he's so erratic. I mean, aside from all of the shenanigans that are going on with him and his um, his uh, issues that he's got with the with the law at the moment, outside of that, um, his golf is very very inconsistent you know he'll miss a load of cuts and then he'll pop along and win a good big golf tournament and Alfred Dunhill Lynx is one you know that's another big European tour event he's, he's had some decent uh, decent major finishes over the years so yeah is that is that really is that name out of kilter with the ones I just read through I don't think so no I think it's um, I think we're looking at a classy winner if we're looking for a guy who's actually going to top the pile at the end of the uh, four days on Sunday this week. Um, old Gieta, I mean, from what you can glean of it, and you can see some pictures online, it looks like a beautiful track, actually. It's a typical Italian track um, for intents and purposes. And they, the, the Italian Open, even though it does hop from venue to venue, does tend to be held on very similar style tracks. So classical parkland style tracks tree lined they don't tend to be massively narrow in terms of the trees encroach you know it's not they don't tend to be Valderrama-esque in terms of their um the proximity of the trees to the fairway and this is similar as well the, the fairways themselves are reasonably tight but you've got around about six to eight yards of rough um on the edges of the fairways before you get into the trees so um, you're going to need to be pretty wayward to be hacking it out of the trees all the time. But of course they are there. The trees are there. And if you are um, visually intimidated by these classical style tracks, which some players are, some players just visually need big exposed tracks to perform their best. Some players like the you know, the visual guidelines that you get from the trees to kind of guide your shop shape, shop shape and... Uh, and to give you a clue as to where the ball goes. So they do tend to appeal to different styles of players, and you often see that in players' history and their results over a prolonged period of time. So certainly worth looking at similar kind of style tracks over over the years if you're looking at this particular event. Um, back when Ian Poulter won this track, it was a 7,100-yard par 71. They brought Tom Fazio in, um, in 2010 to perform some renovations on this. And this was all tied into um, Italy trying to, or Rome trying to win the Olympics for 2020. Right. So this this was the track that they chose to um, kind of spearhead the the golf side of that. Yeah. So Fazio came in, he added 400 yards to the track, a load of new, new teeing options, really brought it up to speed in terms of the, um, in terms of how it, looked and felt and how it would um, stretch the modern golfer. Um, then, of course, they didn't win the uh, the Olympics. They, uh, it's it's um, left them with a long golf course that's, uh, that clearly is um, capable of hosting a Relic Series event like this. But um, it, I think it, it, for all intents and purposes, it's the same, same track as we saw in 2002, but clearly um, with a number of different teeing options. I always take this with a pinch of salt when you read the, the spec of a new or a seldom used track on the European Tour, because they tend to put the absolute maximum on the, uh, on the site as to how the course can play. And then the reality is they may play it two, 300 yards shorter. Right. So do take it with a pinch of salt. I mean, if it plays 7,500 yards as a, a classical tree line test, it's going to be, um, it's going to be quite tricky. It's going to be a, a probably a, a single figure um, under par win, or maybe 10, 12 under something like that. Um, if they lop it down to seven two and and make it scorable, and these Italian opens do tend to be slightly more scorable than uh, again using Valderrama as an example, um, then. Uh, 
I don't know. The, the, the fact is, we're going to have to wait and see exactly how it's set up. But um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't take that 7,500 yards um, as the be-all and end-all. I think you'll probably find it flexes from that, even if it flexes from, from day to day as different teeing positions are used. We shall see. Um, just going back over some of the players that have won this event over the last, or going back to 2010, just to give you an idea of the winning prices, really. Uh, Frederick Anderson Head won in 2010 at 66s. Robert Rock was 66 the, the year after that. Uh, Gonzalo Fernandez Castaño, 40 to 1 in 2012. Julian Cairn, who I backed that year, uh, 80 to 1 that was. That was a lovely little pickup. I remember that one. Henny Otto, 80 to 1 in 2014. Rickard Karlberg, 70 to 1 the year after. And then a couple of more obvious ones. Francesco Bolognari at 25 to 1 in 2016. Tyrrell Hatton in uh, 2017, 18 to 1. And as we mentioned a few minutes ago, Thorborn Olsen, 80 to 1, won the Rolex Series event held here, well, not here, but held in Italy in 2018. Um, in terms of trends, all but Rock of that list that I've just read through had a top 10 in their last eight starts. All of them, even Olsen, had flashed a little bit of form in their recent uh, the recent outings. Six of them had a top three finish in the Italian Open before, and three of them actually had actually already won the Italian Open before. And it's one of those events that does, even though you're hopping from venue to venue, it does throw up a lot of multiple winners. Um, Ian Poult was another one, another case in point, because he'd already won the Italian Open before winning here at Old Yatta in 2002. Um, and there were a lot of multiple winners if you uh, trawl through the uh, Italian Open records over the years. So it's so worth bearing in mind. And um, other than that, and the spec that we've got on the track itself, um, we're, we're going to have to go pretty much on the, uh, on the spec, I think, because there's not much else you can really grab onto. Uh, quick rundown of the betting then before I tell you who I have backed. Paul Casey heads the field at nine to one. He's going to have to putt well, Casey, I think, to win this week. But um, clearly in some fantastic ball striking form. Justin Rose twelve to one. Francesco Molinari sixteens. A little bit of twenty to one left on Shane Lowry if you fancy the uh, Open champion to uh, to fight his way back to the top of the race. Dubai rankings this week. Danny Willett, fresh off of his win at, um, at Wentworth, twenty-five to one. Matt Fitzpatrick, the same price. Obviously, the uh, the Woburn winner from two thousand and fifteen. So there's some tree line form there with Matt Fitz. Matt Wallace, twenty-eight to one. Till Hatton, Andrea Pavan at thirty-threes. Pavan has been very heavily backed, or was heavily backed yesterday with his local ties of Rome. Rome um, resident, Rome born and bred, so he um, will know mm. this track better than many, yeah. I think you'll find. Alex Norman, 35, Bernd Wiesberger, Eric Van Royen, 35 to 1, and then it's 40 to 1 bar. So a decent field. Um, certainly some, some players in there you can make a case for one way or the other. Um, but at the top of the betting, I could only... Um, Bring myself to bet and to back Francesco Molinari. So I've stuck him up at the top. I backed him 16 to 1 with um, Bet Fred, who are offering seven places each way at a fifth of the odds this week. Uh, this week. So um, I thought for an each way bet for a player who has such a fantastic record in his homeland, um, this seemed like a, um, a sensible route to go for me. And you could make a case for Casey and for Rose, but Casey's making his first um, his first Italian Open outing this week. Rose hasn't played in this since 2002. Um, when he played here and missed the cut at Olgiata, clearly 17 years ago, the form's pretty um, irrelevant, I guess, and the, and the track's changed a lot in the meantime, as has Justin Rose um, in terms of his game and his development. But, uh, but even so, um, compared to Francesco Molinari, who's won this event twice, he's got two top fives in this event, he's got five further top tens, and he absolutely loves playing and feels immensely comfortable playing on home soil. And um, it would not surprise me in the slightest to see him do what John Rahm did last week and just dominate in front of his home home fans. 
Um, 23rd here at Ogiata. Um, when he was a young amateur, he was 19 when he played here back in 2002. He finished 23rd, um, which is a nice little spin for a player who had very little experience at the time. And for me, he's got all the tools you need to complete his hat-trick here this week. Yeah. Um, you know, We know it's not been playing sailing since his Open Championship win. Um, he had the Masters where he was in complete control um, until he got to the 12th hole and uh, eventually succumbed to the pressure. Um, a Tiger Woods finished fifth, I think, in the end that, that week, didn't he? And yeah. I think that's that's it's taken its toll a little bit on him. You know, his results haven't been great since. But for me, once you get past this point, particularly with first-time major winners, once you get past the point of having defended that major title and the the almost the pressure's lifted at that point. So he, he got to he, he got to the Open this year, shot seventy-four in the first round, took himself out of the equation. Did well from there, finished 11th in the end. Um, but you've got past that point now. For him, you know, Shane Lowry is now the Open champion. There's there's no immediate pressure from that respect um, mentally on, on a player like Francesco Molinari. And I think his form started to, to pick up a little bit since then. 14th at Wentworth. He was third after day one at the Safeway on his last start. Sort of little snippets of form that um, are indicating that it's going well. And actually, he's been putting really nicely over those two outings as well. It's just been his long game, which is uncharacteristic for a player like uh, Francesco. Um, but coming back to home soil, um, I wouldn't be remotely surprised, as I say, to, to see, having seen John Rahm dominate last week, to see Francesco Molinari step up to the plate in front of his home fans and uh, and take this title and his own personal... <laughs> it's kind of the price we expected on Monday morning, wasn't it? 16s. Mm. Yeah, not, not, yeah. Not, not too short, not too... Just, well, it's the right price. It's backable, isn't it? Yeah, I, 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 was, I wasn't um, unhappy with the price and I wasn't overly ecstatic with it, but for me, he feels like the most likely winner of this golf tournament, even though he's third in the betting. Um, I think he's got a better chance than Paul Casey and Justin Rose. And in that respect, I think that 16 to 1 should be should be taken. So, um, so yeah, quite happy to, to stick him up at the top. Um, I've gone a bit further down. I mean, when you, you're putting a, a big chunk of your stake on, on a player at 16 to 1, then it doesn't leave a massive amount of room. But um, I've backed one at 50s, who is Yost Loughton. And you'll know that Yost's one of my one of my favourite players. And actually, I feel that of the players that are out there, he's one of the ones that I can read um, more readily than, than a number of the others. And I think he's gearing up to something quite quite good at the moment. Um, he's led greens in regulation for three of his last five starts. He's finding fairways. He just needs that spark with a putter. And um, it, whilst his putting uh, numbers have had been trending in the right direction, it was actually what he said in his blog after the Dunhill links, which really piqued my interest. Because he'd switched his putter, he'd switched to a new putter for the Dunhill links. He'd changed his putting grip and is now putting right over left rather than left over right, which he said, takes the um, takes the pressure off his right arm. So he's basically putting with his left arm now. And he said the, the, um, the impact was instantaneous, where he tends to struggle with these 8, 12, 15 footers. He was making them for fun at the Dunhill links. Um, and if he's got confidence flowing through his game in terms of his putting, um, coupled with the fact that he's absolutely pounding greens in regulation, he could be a very dangerous player this week for me. And we know he performs in this style, of course. I mean, he's got a couple of runner-up finishes at Valderrama, which is tighter than this. He was fifth after day one at Valderrama, at Wentworth um, a couple of weeks back. He's got a couple of top five Italian Open finishes over the years. And um, you can couple the fact that the course works for him, the course style works for him, and um, he's got that uh, putting confidence flowing back through his game. I think Yost could have a very good week here this week and again i backed him 50 to 1 um seven each way with uh with bet fred we've got some cracking prices and terms this week has to be said um a couple of long long shots then complete the team ashley chester's 150 to 1 i backed him with Boyle sports who are eight each way a fifth of the odds this week um and Ashley's got that metronomic tee to green game that I think works on this kind of track. He fourth at Valderrama last year. That's his best 
effort on the European tour. He led for a good chunk of that. It was only really the fact that there was um, there was delays, there were the weather delays that um, meant he sat in the uh, players' lounge for far too long thinking about his position. Um, and eventually uh, Sergio came through and, and, and picked him or pushed him down his fourth spot in the end. Um, but I think that this, this style of game really works, the style of course really works for him. And for me, Tito Green's great. He's actually been putting uh, much better than, um, than ordinarily over the last few months as well. What's been letting him down is his short game. Yet what really worked when he got to Valderrama and performed um, well was that his short game was looking strong. And perhaps for me, that's down to the fact that you've got these smaller greens there. There's less less green to work with. And even when you miss when you miss greens, perhaps his, um, his ability to get up and down um, on these smaller yeah. green surfaces actually helps him out a little bit. Mm. So similar kind of style this week and small greens again. And... Um, I mean, if he can scramble at kind of 50-60% for a week, given the rest of his game, I think he's going to get himself in the mix. So, with eight spots available, um, 150-1, to one, yeah, I, I thought that was worth taking, particularly since his recent form, 15th at the KLM Open, 9th at the Porsche, 21st at Wentworth. There's nothing too shabby in that. Missed the cut last week at... Um, oh, sorry, missed the cut at the Dunhill Links. But I've got no, no issue with that whatsoever. I think this suits him far, far better. And finally, the same prize, 150 to 1. This one was with Unibet, who are six each way, a fifth of the odds. Fabrizio Zanotti, the Paraguayan, who's yeah. been hinting at some form over the last couple of starts. He's had a, has had a poor mid-season, to be fair to him. He started the season on fire. And great in the Middle East, second in Oman, and 11th in Qatar, 7th in Malaysia. And you remember back at the time, he was being he was going off at some silly short prices for, for a player, Um yeah, yeah sub thirty to one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Twenty fives, 33s in decent fields, and um, to get him at one hundred and fifty to one when he's uh, flashed a bit of form recently seemed uh, seemed like a price well worth taking. I know, um, I know you work in old money, but tenth for strokes gained off the tee, third mm. for strokes gained approach, and third for tee to green last week in uh, Spain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and that translates to uh, fifth for total driving, fourth for ball striking. His long games looked in great nick over these last couple of weeks. And that's really, if you go through his um, performances, after after his form fell away, after he finished seventh in Malaysia, it was his long game that fell away. Yet, over the last couple of performances, 46th at St Andrews, where he's, his long game looked far, far better. And as you yeah. said, all of the metrics last week in Spain, he finished 12th overall. All of his metrics look really good, and um, so so yeah, I I think he's one hundred and fifty to one. He's got to be taken on seventh and fifteenth at Wentworth over the years. He was second to Matt Fitzpatrick at Woburn back in twenty fifteen, which again is a similar style track. Third in this event back in twenty fifteen. So he's got the Italian Open form as well. The other point is that he's sitting currently at sixty eighth in the race to Dubai. So he needs to get one more result to get himself into those. Um, big bucks events that will happen in, in a month or so's time as we head towards the earth course. So uh, needs must for players in that kind of position and uh, the motivation should be good and strong, particularly when he's playing well. So so yeah, Sonotti, um, Chester's, Joost Lauten and Francesco Molinari, my four for this week in Italy. Were there, were there a couple of others that came very close for you? <sighs> Yeah, the closest probably was Matt Fitzpatrick. You know that I I struggle to to get myself off Matt Fitzpatrick when it's this kind of track. But um, I I'm still not convinced that everything's one hundred percent that he's playing anywhere near his his the top of his game at the moment, and he's still got this tendency to throw the odd bad round him, which totally uh, torpedoes the week for him. And and if that happens on a Thursday, then you know, you could well be looking at a missed cut or, or, or a best scraping the cut to, um, you know, to come through for a 50th place finish. I, I, just, I just couldn't pull the trigger there. Um, Guido, Guido Migliozzi is another one who um, was tempting. I just wonder, similar to Adrian House, if when push comes to shove, if he is in position, whether in his home open it's uh, it's going to prove to be a little bit too much stress for him right now and similar to what we were saying before these players need to develop and gain experience in certain situations before they can uh, 
go go ahead and win something that to them is going to be such a such a big title. So, so yeah, I just plump for the four in the end. Anyone that you fancied in the field, Steve? I think um, Noren's starting to come around a little bit. Yeah, his long game's been looking really strong actually. Which, which again is something that he'd, he'd been struggling with, and but uh, he hasn't got a great record in Italy. I mean, the best was twenty third last year. Yeah, but he, I know that we kind of label him as Northern European in terms of where he performs. So, but you know, bent grass greens, uh, pretty tight and three lined. It it feels kind of Alex Noren like to me. Yeah. Yeah, clearly a Wentworth winner of the past as well, so there's there's certainly correlations there. Um, he yeah, must think... be hungry because his world golf rankings taken an absolute mm. battering. You know this this scenario where he went transatlantic, which worked nicely last year. You know we know that he should have won the the Farmers Insurance. You know with with old you know J B Holmes playing uh, playing the uh, Dick Dastardly card. Uh, that particular week and he, he yeah. played well at the Honda Classic came very very close to winning some big tournaments in the States this year it's just been it hasn't worked at all form's been no. terrible so he must be hungry from a success perspective to start you know turning bad, you know reasonably bad results into, into positive results I, I thought and we were seeing him as short as 16s a few a uh, few weeks ago in some of these tournaments he's out, out to 35s now yep Yep, yep. And if I was taking Alex Noren at 35s or Hao Tong Lee at 40s, I know where I'd put my money at the moment. Yeah, was, Lee yeah. seems to be all over the place. He's, he seems to have dipped right off the pace, doesn't he? Yeah, it's an interesting one at that kind of price point because you've also got Andrew Pavan in there as well at 33s. Mm. And um, whilst he's um, Italian it's the me- form, It's the mental aspect, though, for Pavan, isn't it? Yeah, is it like is you said about Andre Arnous. Is it, if he gets into contention at the Italian Open, is he going to hang around? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it, that will show how far he's come as a player this year. I think. Yeah, will do. He's, yeah, he's he's been playing some really nice stuff. He was tempting, but again, yeah, for that you know, that, that that reason, it's it's potentially adds another element of yeah, another element of demand and another another reason for him to to really think about his position. Should he get himself into that spot further the, further down the line? Yeah, he's from Rome. And he's five points bigger than Matt Wallace at 28. Yeah. And he's on the same price point as a Hatton and an, and an Alex Noren and a Bernd Wiesberger. Oh, uh, if, if he's, in, been, he's, in, he's in lofty company there in the betting, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He, he flashed up at 40 to 1 first, first um, uh, with the first book that came up. And um, if he'd have, if someone had gone 50s, I'd have probably been tempted to take a chance on him. Mm, he did finish choosing. seventh here back in 2011 in the on the challenge tour. So he's got a little bit of sneaky course form as well. But um, but 33s, yeah, just just too short for me. When you've got someone like Joost Loughton, who's absolutely striking the ball and ticks every box for me at the kind of target price I was looking for, um, I, that, that was the decision to be made, I think. Okay. But yeah. Yeah, decent field. So plenty of plenty plenty of players with chances this week. It's an absolutely um, stellar field if you compare it to the Houston Open over in America. <laughs> yeah. um, wow. Yeah, it, it, I think it's come to fruition that clearly you know the tournaments post Tour Championship, so the wraparound tournaments up until this point have been weak on the PGA Tour, and that that's kind of where we expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Next week it kicks up a gear, CJ Cup over in South Korea, and then you've got the Zozo Championship in Japan. So we've got two stellar weeks coming up for the PGA Tour. Um, but yeah, this week the Houston Open, and th- I think this is what Houston have really st- struggled with in terms of being able to get players to play this week. It's that there's a huge event over in uh, South Korea next week, and players don't want to be flying out of Houston on a Sunday to go to Jeju Island over in South Korea uh, with the jet lag and the travel problems. Well, no, and you've also got the time difference as well. So you end up lopping, what, eight, a ten day? hours off a day? So. <laughs> it must work so, yeah. out as a full day almost that you're losing in the air. I expect so, yeah. So um, There so, are yes, a couple that are going to be doing it, the likes of Keegan Bradley, but it's very, very small. You know, even, even the likes of someone like a Brian Stewart, who played really well last week? He, he's forgetting about the Houston Open, and he's which I think would have suited him because he loves a mini Verdi green or or five, and he's going straight to Korea. 
And uh, I think the prize money on offer next week is absolutely massive over in Korea. So uh, you can understand the reasons behind it. But yeah, it's just a... If Henrik Stenson hadn't turned up, you would have effectively called it pretty much an alternate event kind of quality of field. Yeah, it does stick and out. And it would have been that usual alternate event price where we'll slap up five or six players at 22 to 1 because we have got no idea who the favourite is. <laughs> and um, we'll work it from there. Yeah. This is the golf course, the tournament course at the Houston Golf Club that used to traditionally be the curtain raiser for the Masters. Um, it clearly got chopped. It didn't have a sponsor, which didn't help its position. Um, so I believe it's now um, basically being backed by the the owner of the Houston Astros. Right, okay. And um, they're fronting up the cash. Um, so it's got a very close association with the Houston Astros. But it's got no sponsor. And they've, they've clearly placed it now in the wraparound segment of the PGA Tour. Um, next year it moves courses. So this is the last time you will see the tournament course on the PGA Tour. Um, and that's one of the reasons I actually went for Russell Henley because this is the last time he's ever going to play this golf course. And as we know, you could almost call this the Russell Henley Open um, because his record here is absolutely outstanding. Uh, we'll go into that in a little bit more detail in a short while. But um, it's a pretty nondescript 7,400-yard par 72. Um, it's in Texas, clearly. Um, look for some wind that's going to be in the in the mix. It looks like a real pretty naughty front's going through on Friday. Um, looks like it's hitting late morning, so God knows what that does in terms of any bias in the in the actual tea times. Um, it looks like there's going to be 70-80% chance of thunder. Um, and after the thunder passes, quite strong winds up to 25 miles an hour. So Friday looks interesting, put it that way. But effectively, large greens at 7,000 square feet. Uh, we're looking at pretty tight fairways. They, 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 they thin down to about 30 yards wide, uh, 25 yards wide, sorry, at 325. Um, compare that to last week at TPC Summerlin in Las Vegas. They were at 30 yards wide. Yep. So that tends to, you know... It's 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 just it's logical, isn't it? That you think, and I don't know if this has changed recently in the setup of the golf course because they try to get it to to play very firm, very fast, as they would at Augusta the week after. How this changes in October, we don't know. But it seemed to me it became less of a bomber's paradise. We moved away from the Anthony Kims, Phil Mickelsons, and uh, JB Holmeses that used to win around here to last year, Ian Poulter. Now, yeah. Ian Poulter was 60... I believe he was. He, he ended up at two... Uh, it was 280... He averaged 281 off the tee. 61st for driving distance. Yeah, he's not, he's not long Poulter by any stretch, is he? But clearly, his greens in regulation, long irons and approaches from distance were absolutely bob-on because he was 83.3% for the GIR fourth in the field so I I don't think it's necessarily a golf course that can be overpowered Um, I don't think it's a a belt and braces bomb and gouge golf course and yes you do get the likes of Luke List who's done very well around here I think Luke List will be very very popular this week um, for a myriad of different reasons Um, uh, we saw Keith Mitchell do well here last year but Towards the top of the leaderboards, you get, or, the, or certainly winners, you get more controlled ball strikers, guys that can hit fairways and hit greens in metronomic style. Think Henrik Stenson. Amazing, he's playing here this week. Um, you know, his record here, he averages 69.96 in terms of his average score uh, around here from seven appearances, top five. That's pretty mad from seven appearances here. And that tends to suggest to me that that's the that's the mould of player we're looking for this week. Um, in terms of courses that I think link very well to this golf course, that's something I get asked a lot. You know, Steve, can you you know what kind of relatable courses are there in terms of form? Kapalua is very very relatable. 
the uh, Hyundai Tournament of Champions. It's now the Century Tournament of Champions. Um, you can see very strong links to TPC Sawgrass, you know, Ian Poulter, Henrik yep. Stenson. Um, even JB Holmes has done well around um, there. He's finished sixth at Sawgrass. I remember a couple of years ago when I think he was in the final group and shot like seven, 83 in the final round to finish 40 off. But yep. he, he plays well around Sawgrass. Yeah, which is certainly a ball striking test rather than uh, rather than rather than, rather than brute powers. power. Yeah. Um, also, just players that genuinely play well here. Holmes had finished second here before winning. Clearly, Henley had finished fourth, fifth, and seventh before winning here. Even Jim Herman back in twenty sixteen had a top fourteen spot here. Had as did DA points back in twenty thirteen. So it's almost one of those horses for courses tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have got someone that's got some reasonable results here, pretty much guaranteed he's going to go well again here if he's in half-decent nick. Uh, the other courses that kind of linked in, I thought, um, there's something in TPC Southwind, uh, which uh, hosts now the WGC, which used to be just the St. Jude Invitational the week before the US Open. Um, there's also something here about TPC Boston, so those are the kind of courses I think link in very, very closely, as does the Honda Classic host course at PGA National. Poulter's finished third there. Uh, Henley's won there. Jim Herman's finished seventh there. Um, Matt Jones, who was a winner here, he's finished fourth at PGA National. So there's definitely something in that link to the Honda Classic as well. Mm. We're looking at greens this week that are uh, Mini Verdi Bermuda grass. They've they've got rid of the overseed that you would have found here in April. Yeah. So um, Mini Verdi Bermuda grass, which for me is quite grainy. Is that where you're at with Mini Verdi? Yeah, it is. It's a, yeah, it's a grainy think, Bermuda, isn't it? I think it. I think it will make a difference as well, as you say, because historically it has played um, as bent grass because they've overseed it with bent for the they for did, the winter yeah. period. Um, as we were at the back end of the summer, and it's still reasonably warm out of there, isn't it? So, uh, so Bermuda will be the clearly the dominant. I haven't overseen it, so it's, it's going to be the going to be the surface they're playing on this week. So, I think it does change the dynamics slightly. But yes, I think I'm with you. I think it's slightly grainier than some of the um, some of the other strains. The Champion, for instance, which is much smoother. It's an ultra dwarf kind of Bermuda, and that tallies up with somewhere like. Sea Island, where they may play the RSM Classic, yeah, and you can actually see that a little bit with Henley because Henley um, plays that tournament very, very well, and they're pretty gnarly greens, aren't they? Yeah. So Kevin Chapel might be a look this week at a deeper price. Chapel's been showing a little bit recently, and um, we know that he goes very well at the RSM, so that was one that crossed my path. But I, I'm kind of in the ilk of horses for courses. I think Kevin Nar winning at Summerlin kind of thumped that into 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 my psyche this week. Um, sometimes you just can't look past the, the damn obvious. Um, players at deeper prices that I could have included potentially, and that certainly I had a good look at. Um, Matthew Nee Smith. A, a, a Corn Ferry graduate. He's been hitting the ball very, very sweetly from tee to green recently. Yeah, he could be one. I know that um, Christopher Ventura on our on our um, punters group, uh, the Golf Betting System Facebook group, is popular this week. He putted lights out last week in um, in Las Vegas. Did cross Christopher Ventura? Mm. He's one to look at. One who I came very close to pulling the trigger on, but I really wanted triple digits if I could get it, was Zing Jun Zhang. Yeah. His numbers are absolutely outstanding for for fairways hit, GIR, strokes gained approach. He's, he's, he is top, top quality. And don't forget with Zhang, he was the guy that actually headed up the um, Corn Ferry regular tour points last season. He's no flash in the pan. He's not one of these Corn Ferry grads that kind of wins a tournament and scrapes in in the low sort of twenties in the in the Corn Ferry. He, yeah. he, you know, he was he was landing victories and a regular top ten finisher last year. Zhang on the Corn Ferry. I think he's different gravy to a lot of these Corn Ferry um, graduates. 
you know, it's, it's interesting with Zhang. Again, this was a debate that's going on the Golf Betting System Facebook group this morning. You've got Zhang at 66s to 80s. He's up against Scotty Scheffler, who you're still finding down at 22 to 1 this week. And Scheffler, although he's actually shown in a few tournaments, has disappeared completely when it's come to the, the sort of yeah come, come to the actual Saturdays and Sundays. He's gone backwards. Surprising, isn't it? Seeing as you know what he'd shown in the New Corn Ferry last year, expecting mm. him to step up quite readily, but it hasn't quite happened yet, has it? it Not quite yet. It will do. Um, whether that's at the Bermuda Championship in a few weeks, when he's likely to be about eleven to one. Uh, it will be. Um, we'll see. I think Carlos Ortiz might go well as well. He, he, um, so Chapel and Ortiz, they, they, they were some that I looked at. Um, I was tempted on Luke List. Wouldn't it be great to be on List the week that he won a PGA Tour event? Yeah. Um, he's an absolute enigma. He will be popular. I know that um, that Matt Wiley on the Golflandia podcast is all over him this week. Um, He's finished fourth here in the past. Um, who knows with Luke? You just you just don't know, do you? All I do know with Luke is he doesn't tend to put two decent performances together in a row. Very, very rarely does that happen. And he's absolutely all over the place off the tee half the time. Um, and this is the course. This is it for me. This course is kind of Bermuda in the way that it sets up. So we've got Bermuda grass greens. We've got a Bermuda grass golf course. We've got loads and loads of water, and we're going to have some wind in play. I mean, that is a Florida swing kind of golf course. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, List performs well in Florida, so yeah, there's something in that. The three I've gone for. Um, my big regret this week. What's the who's the gut one you don't want to win? It would be Pat Perez. So I warn I warn people, Pat Perez could could win this this week. <laughs> He's got he ticks every box for me. Um, it's he only felt a bit short than he twenty eight to one, but twenty eight doesn't. Yeah, um, he's a winner in the in the full series or in the full uh, the last couple of years on the PJ Tour. Likes a birdie fest. Third last week, hitting greens for fun. I think in the embryonic GIR numbers on the PJ Tour website, he's fourth for GIR so far this year. He is just hitting tons and tons of greens. Perez is a decent shout. I've kept it simple though. You know, Russell Henley around here is just an absolute animal. Um, I think if he'd have shown a top 10 in the last couple of events, he'd be down in the 16s, the 14 to 1s. Yeah. And actually, when I was typing up and writing the writing the, the tip, he was out at 33s with a couple of firms. By the time we got to publishing, he'd been whacked in. 28s was the biggest price this morning. Now it's all it's straight 25s or 22s. So I'm on him with Coral at seven places each way. Um, his 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 form here is just unbelievable. He he averages sixty nine point zero eight in terms of um, his scoring average, which is number one in the field. That's from six appearances as well. Seventh, fourth, fifth, first, and eighth here from twenty fourteen onwards. He's yeah, just it's an absolute it's impressive stuff. Third last week for strokes gained approach. He's hitting tons of greens. He sits fifth in my eight week greens in reg tracker. Just needs the putter to warm up. Um, I don't think the Mini Verdi will hurt him. If you actually look at his three PJ Tour victories, they've all been on Bermuda grass greens, or you know this was clearly had a little bit of velvet um, bent grass overseeded, but they still have Bermuda grass Mini Verdi uh, base to them. Um, his other two victories in uh, Wireline, Sony Open, and also the victory he had at PJ National. Clearly, Bermuda grass greens, and he, he tends to come to the fore on Bermuda grass. So Henley, I think he's been playing quite well under the surface. Just hasn't it just hasn't uh, bubbled yet. So I'm on him at 25s with Coral with seven places. Um, next up for me, a player that's really been playing well out of the box so far this season is Harris English. Mm. One and a half points each way, 40 to one. If you think about English, he's been driving the ball beautifully. Brilliant total driving, brilliant ball striking. On a golf course where fairways and greens is a key, um, I like English. Two PGA Tour victories, one on PASP and one on Bermuda grass back in 2013. For me, I've always noted him more as a Bermuda grass type positive player than a bent grass. And he's got a half-decent record in Texas. Second at Midland Country Club on the 20, in 2011 on the Corn Ferry Tour when he graduated. Also fifth, second, and 20th at Colonial. 
Uh, if you look at Colonial, Ian Poulter has, has finished fifth and eighth there prior to winning here in Houston. Mahan uh, finished tenth prior to winning here. So that link to Colonial isn't a bad one. Uh, he was 17th here on tournament debut back in 2012. But he's just hitting the ball. You know, where Henley is almost the tip where it's not great current form, brilliant course form. This one's the, that's this is the reverse. Brilliant current form, not fantastic course form, but actually I think when you're hitting the ball as well as he is, and he's got some linkable form in there in terms of courses, I think uh, forty to one is a little bit of fifties to way out there if you want if you want to take less places on him. I think English is a decent shout this week. Finally, I looked for someone deeper in the odds. As I said, Zhang was someone I looked closely at, but I would I wanted triple if I could get it. Nick Watney's been playing some nice stuff recently. 66s again. And this is the trouble, Paul. It's such a weak field. Yeah. yeah. You know, you've got some seriously, you know, Bud Cawley at 50 to 1. Um, I, Keegan Bradley's the sort that would actually suit around here, but he, he's, he's got nothing together at all recently. Matt <sighs> Jones, 45 to 1. It's just... I think Denny McCarthy's... Fairly close, but even Denny McCarthy, I don't think he's finished any better in a main tour event than ninth. Mm-hmm. I know he finished top five in an alternate event a few years ago at the Corrales, but again, he just won that seems to flatter to deceive, and he's 35 to 1. Yeah, yeah. he might scrape a tie for eighth or something. And, yeah. Yeah, potentially, this is it. Um, so the one I landed on was an old friend of the show, actually. Um, if, if if the Greens here were Paspalum, he would be absolutely on fire, I think, because he's a, he's a Paspalum Green monster, is this guy. But he's finished seventh here in the past, goes well on longer par 72s where scoring is possible, decent enough win player, and also a PGA Tour winner. So I, I, la- I ended up on Bryce Garnett. Yeah, who actually ticks a lot of boxes statistically. It's a lot of greens, hitting a lot of fairways, um, isn't the sort that overpowers a golf course, but he seems to be a bit of a thinker, very, very strategic. And um, I just think that he's been playing some nice golf under the radar recently. And Garnet, it was worth, grab my attention was, the last time he played, which was Silverado, he shot a uh, 68 in the final round, which was in the top 10 for the week, or yeah. top 10 on the day. So a little bit of mojo coming in, course that he likes. And I've, I've said in the past, actually, there is a, a bit of a link between um, players that do well at Houston and players that do well down at Mayakoba. Mm. So I'm kind of playing on that as well. So those are my three. Garnet at 80s. I've got English at 40s. And I've got... Um, We've also got, of course, Russell Henley at 25s. Again, it's one of those weeks that if I could actually score an each-way place and get out of here, out of jail, I'd be quite happy with that. <laughs> because uh, you, you could know. end up, any, any, anyone could win this. Yeah, because they do seem a bit uh, flummoxed by it. Don't they? As you say, if you took uh, Stenson out of the equation, it'd be 20 to 1 the field and you'd probably have 6, 8, 12 players in that kind of 20 to 30 to 1 bracket, wouldn't you? I think Brendan Steele's coming round slowly, you know, 100 mm. to 1. Sam Burns, another Bermuda grass monster, but he's, he's all over the place since his injury, 100 to 1. I mean, I'd, you'd want that to be bigger. And then, of course, Tom Lewis. I'm seeing Tom Lewis as short as 50 to 1. Don't know. We said that this was the one course that might just suit him. So, yeah. That could, that could be a worthy pump. Well,. He's, he was a late withdrawal from the Italian Open, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He's Lewis is one of two players I've backed for this, actually. And mm. um, there's a little bit. I mean, he's, as you say, he's he, he's, uh, he's en- he was entered for both events, and he's chosen this one. Yeah, um, I can see still, why. Yeah, no, I, I can see why. He's, he's still coming up um, with some of the bookies, so he's not universally being offered by all of the bookmakers at the moment, but. Uh, I took 90 to 1 on him, and there's a little bit of hundreds out there, but generally, as you say, he's coming in between 50 to 66 to 1, that kind of bracket. Mm. 
but um, it, it's still still a little bit erratic, isn't he? But he won that corn very um, final by five strokes, twenty three under. So clearly he's scoring and playing very very well. A couple of missed cuts, and then I picked him up at the Dunhill Links, um, where he finished fifth, and again at hundred to one. Um, Summerlin was never going to suit though, and we said that no, on the no, pod last so, week no. because it's metronomic. Apart from Kevin Nar, but Tom Lewis isn't Kevin Nar in terms of putting. Um, and on course debut, it is metronomic fairways and greens last week. This isn't that level. Yeah, it's nice if you're in the middle of fairways, but actually you can navigate around here if you're not, as long as you're not banging it in the water. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot to like with him. It really caught the eye, and I mentioned it on last week's pod, I think. Um, 64 to finish at Dunhill Links was um, was yeah. a real eye-catcher. But yeah, I, like you, I agree. I, th- I think last week didn't suit him. I think this week will suit him far more. And it's this time of year, last year, that he really came to life with that form. He finished first, third, first, tenth, fifth um, between September and October. So clearly... Um, by, you know, in terms of his uh, in terms of his results and this time of year, it's uh, it really started to to kick on. I mean, the only question mark for me maybe um, the Bermuda greens. Um, he hasn't got that much sparkling form on Bermuda over on the European Tour, but uh, there is one instance of when he putted really quite nicely in Abu Dhabi on Bermuda. So I'm happy to give him the benefit of the doubt here, and uh, be interesting to see if anyone goes above the ninety to one that I took. Um, later this afternoon but we we shall see and um, the other one and you and I have chatted about this guy a number of times that I've backed um, Matt Every I've backed at 100 to 1 um, outright when he when the tea times come out later this evening I'll have a look and if he's got a decent tea time I may well take him first round leader as well but um, that was a real eye catching improvement last week he'd been dog awful hasn't he for a while but uh, yeah. he's um, he's Iron play last week, 81.9 greens in regulation um, last week in old money. That is his best performance in that respect for the whole of 2019. So something's clearly clicked with his uh, with his yeah. iron play. And he loves these low-scoring Bermuda-type tracks. Eighth here yeah. last year. Um, and uh, yeah. I think the, cha- the, cha- the, the taking the overseed away can only help every. Yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so, definitely. Though. He's he's a sh- you won't be surprised, Paul. He's sixty six to one for first round leader. Right? Yeah, yeah. A little bit of eighty out there with Unibet. Yeah, I would like eighties. I think yes. I'll, I'll save a few more bookies, but yeah, equally I'll wait and see what time he he gets in terms of his tea time. But uh, but yeah, I think there's there's enough to like about Matt Every to give him a stab in the outright market as well. It's hundred to one. So so yeah, I've had a little play on those two. This is one of those events, Paul. I'll just read this out to you. First round leader. Um, we are looking at... Oh, I'm looking at the wrong one. Sorry. I was just going to pull up exactly um, in terms of the AMPM splits because that comes in useful, doesn't it, first round yeah, leader? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunn was PM last year. Fowler AM, Hoffman PM, Piercy AM. So it's all over the place. Right. No, no particular benefit. Not like the Shriners where you have to have a morning... Uh, yeah, that, it, it, can was, be, it, it can was, be either. Can be it either. was really stark last week, wasn't it? It really did stand out. Yeah, as, um, yeah. as no, this, this can be either. So it, unless there's a little bit of wind, um, maybe you can just go on every, just go with your gut feeling on him. Yep. But yeah, he's tempting, isn't he? Mm, definitely. Definitely. And that, that kind of player who can just pop up and have that one mad round, can't he? And if it's on a Thursday, then all the better. Well, yeah, he'll be le- he'll be leaving um, Las Vegas in confident mood, wasn't he? Because he's actually eating some greens, and he was top yeah, ten well, last year, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's, a, there's enough to like, I think. To, to get, particularly in this field, it's weak. It's a weak old field, so I thought hundred to one in that field was uh, it was worth a go. Thank you for your time, Paul. Yeah, the ninety ninth podcast is complete. Back for the century next week. Yeah, back for the century. And uh, as I said towards the top of the show, if you could leave us with a review for next week. Um, preferably five stars that'd be nice Um, of course it would be lovely to start our centenary show with a uh, a nice review or two to start the uh, the show with Paul thank you very much for your time this morning yeah you too thanks uh, best of luck everybody best of luck let's let's pray for that victory fingers crossed it'll help the old bank account that'd be nice (laughs) and uh, thank you to listeners enjoy uh, enjoy the uh 
the golf this week and we're back again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>